This is Tom Fox, and welcome to the latest edition to the Compliance Podcast Network. After having recorded, produced, hosted, and guested in over 5,000 podcasts, I decided it was time to have a podcast about what else? Podcasting. Over the series, I will visit with podcast hosts to learn about their love of podcasting, what they have been able to achieve through podcasting, and why you need to consider starting a podcast. This series will be fun, witty, chatty, the dash of joie de vivre for both entertainment and education. I hope you will join me as I explore the world of podcasting. In this second episode, I visit with Pat Chung, a user experience expert, and how he brought the user experience to podcast hosting and, more importantly, podcast listening. Know you'll enjoy this episode. This podcast is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. Today, I'm thrilled to have with me Pat Chung. Not quite sure how Pat and I met, but we uh, did connect <laughs> up. And it turns out he not only has a podcast, but he actually has some really interesting things in the podcast arena. So I asked him to come on the pod, and he said, sure. So Pat, with that long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me. Could you tell us a little bit about your professional background and what your role in the podcasting world is? Ooh. So there's short version and long version. <laughs> long version. All right, long version. So long version is I'm a UX designer by trade. So I've been in the software tech field for quite a quite a while, basically a lifetime. And yeah, so in UX design, I, I, I build products, I create products, I run engineering teams, and I've co-founded a startup before that did pretty well. We got venture backed. It was in the healthcare field. Um, and finally we got acquired several years ago. And after we got acquired, I basically asked myself what I want to do next, as a lot of founders do, and kind of hopped around a little bit to tell you the truth. And finally I thought, you know, what I really enjoy, and I've just always enjoyed podcasts from a very early, uh, year in the podcast universe. And I thought I wanted to do something in podcasting, solve some problems there. And, <laughs> and I eventually built this startup called Pod Inbox, which the problem I was trying to solve with Pod Inbox is I noticed a lot of the podcasters I was listening to wanted to hear back from their audience. And there was not a very sort of easy way to do it. So, you know, I heard a lot of the podcasts I was listening to, you know, tell their audience, you know, and their call to action say stuff like, yeah, record your audio message and email it to me. Uh, and I still hear people doing that now. And I'm like, there's got to be a better way of doing this. Or they would give out their personal phone numbers or Google phone numbers to leave voicemails. And yeah, I thought there'd be, there might be a more fun and social way of doing it. Yeah. So that's how Pod Inbox was more. Let me go back to your UX background because I find that incredibly fascinating. Um, I come out of a legal slash regulatory compliance world and we don't meet a lot of UX folks. But when we do, they say, is this really how you communicate? Do you even think about the user experience? And we all go, no, why would we do that? <laughs> and so I'm really intrigued that you took that professional background and looked at a completely different arena, a podcasting field and say, hey, what's this like for the user? 
So could you tell me a little bit about that perspective and, and really how that lets, lets you look at a situation and say, guys, if there's a better way to do this. Sure. Yeah. Kind of like the example I, I mentioned before that I heard a lot of podcasters give their users or their audience or their fans, we use the word fans quite a bit, to, you know, tell them this call to action that was very convoluted. Like, you know, I, I consider myself pretty technical, but some of these podcasters were saying, you know, record an audio message, <laughs> which you know, isn't very straightforward for the average person. Like, well, I think us podcasters, we take it for granted how easy it is to record an audio message. But for someone else, like they might not even know the program to go to on their computer or their device to record an audio message and then to email it. So the first version of Pod Inbox we came with was just to solve that problem, right? Let's just give podcasters an easy way to create a page on the web to... um to record and upload an audio message instantly. So we thought, you know, that's a good first product. And also with user experience, right? Like, you know, we were trying to be better than voicemail. Voicemail doesn't have any social proof, right? That's why a lot of people don't like leaving voicemails. They don't know what type of voicemail to leave. You know, they get nervous recording because, you know, with voicemail, a lot of times you got one shot, right? You got one shot to record a voicemail and people who aren't used to talking into a mic or something, they get really nervous and they might, you know, fumble the message or whatever. So in the user experience of our app, you know, we let them preview the recording before they press submit, you know, something as simple as that, you know, we, we consider, well, when we say we, I guess me as user experience designer, I consider myself pretty considerate when it comes to thinking not only about our users who are podcasters, but about the, uh, the, our users fans, because eventually, you know, that's what the podcaster wants to do is to engage their fans. And we want to make it as easy as their fans to do that as possible. Uh, that's really fascinating because I heard you really speak on multiple levels of the user experience. One is interaction back with a podcaster but it's, it's also as basic as audience engagement. How do you help a, a podcaster understand that, yeah, I can put out a podcast or you can put out a podcast, but that's about a tenth of the work because now mm -hmm. you have to engage your audience. And do podcasters really understand that engagement part uh, and engage by simply more than listening? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of ways to engage. You can engage through social media and I could go through, you know, uh, you know, I have workshops around this that, that I don't want to talk about too much, but um, I mean, I'll just uh, talk about some ways to engage, some common ways. So one, one way is social media, right? I think we as Pod Inbox and even me as a podcaster, I often say, you know, that's a great way. You know, if you, you have the propensity to do social do it, but just know that you're, you don't really own your audience. I think people who create audiences know that the best way to engage is the most direct way. Like when you have their actual email addresses. So I, I'm a big believer in newsletters, collecting email addresses, collecting contact info, because then you're not going to be holding to that platform. Right. So, you know, one of the things I, I do a lot, I talk to a ton of podcasters. And I often ask this question, like, how much do you know your audience? And unfortunately, more times than not, they, you know, a lot of people don't. They, you know, they always kind of say, you know, I'd love to hear back from them. But, 
you know, I, whether I don't have the time or I don't know how, you know, that, that often comes up. So yeah, one of the things I, whenever I hear that, I'm like, oh, I can, you know, I, you know, us or me as a product designer, I have to make it a lot easier. You know, I got to make it very easy for the podcaster to set this up. Very easy for the fan to do this. And um, yeah, yeah. My my primary job as a UX designer. Um, but you you go far beyond simply helping people understand social media, content creation, newsletters, and email lists. You've got your own podcast conference. Could you tell us a little bit about the genesis of of that event and what you do in, in your annual conference? Sure. So the conference is new. It's called PodConf. Anyone want to check it out? It's at podconf.com. And basically, I guess it sprung from the idea that, well, first, uh, I guess just to scoot back a little bit. So I launched PodConf, or I'm sorry, Pod Inbox about two years ago. I launched it at Podcast Movement. So I love these big festivals. And there's a couple of big ones, of course, that we know. It's Podcast Movement and PodFest. I love those. I participate in those. And I've been a vendor in those as well. So I've had a booth at both both these big conferences. But personally, <laughs> I'm kind of a selfish guy, meaning I get pretty tired at these big conferences, maybe because I have a booth, maybe because I'm a vendor, but also kind of maybe being a user experience designer, I also you know hear from other people that maybe they get a little bit tired too. So I think there's like a place where, um, you know, maybe a space in the industry where smaller conferences, podcast communities can thrive. So that's really where the idea was germinated. Uh, it kind of just kind of came from this, maybe a little bit of a selfish desire to have smaller conferences and even just be an attendee. Like I, I, I wouldn't, you know, if I didn't create this one, I would love to be part of just being an attendee at these smaller conferences. Cause I really, you know, when I go to these things, I value the connection. You know, I, I kind of hear it time and time again that people, you know, they might not go, you know, listen to the speakers. They're really just kind of in the hallway because they want to connect. Right. So when, so that's how the idea germinated that, you know, can we have these smaller sort of communities and conferences? I hate to even call it conference cause it sounds so big, but can we have these smaller events where people just come together and, collaborate and meet and get inspired from each other. So yeah, that's how the idea was born. And then I think it was December of last year. I guess just to go back a little bit more, I became very involved with my local podcast community here in Portland, Oregon. We have a meetup with about a thousand members, which is pretty big, but that meetup kind of went defunct over the pandemic because obviously pandemic kind of closed everything down, kept people from meeting. So I joined as an organizer of that thousand podcaster meetup group, let's say about like eight months ago or something. And my, my whole thought was, let me help reboot this community because it kind of went defunct. So I um, hosted a ton of happy hours, coffee meetups, things of that nature. And I thought, you know what, I think it's probably time to have something a little bit more formal, something like a one day conference. And yeah, that's how, it, that's how it started. So really what struck me there, Pat, was you looked at it from a big conference down to a small one, but you also looked at it from a small meetup scaling up. Mm -hmm. And the first time you and I visited, we talked about my rural podcast conference network idea and how I was trying to see if I could develop a business model for a small rural area. 
But and it strikes me that listening to you talk about creating PodCon, um, you're really taking a very big idea that we both attended, both Podcast Movement and Podfest Expo, and scaling it down to a local level. And just listening to you, it strikes me is there's an absolute market for that. Um, uh, obviously in Portland, well, I shouldn't say obviously maybe, but in Portland, there's a ton of podcasters mm -hmm. and it's a very vibrant podcasting community. The nearest big city to me is San Antonio and there's a vibrant podcasting community there. And the same information that you and I would garner at a larger, uh, national event, there's subject matter experts in both Portland and in San Antonio who could give a 20, 30, 40 minute presentation and you could put three or four of those together or even more and drive great value to a podcast community in a local town. So um, just listening to, to you describe that, it, it really strikes me as there's a lot of opportunity for professional growth in our field at the local level because people like you and I have subject matter expertise, perhaps in narrow areas, but nevertheless, areas that, that other podcasters can use. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. I think so when we developed PodConf, I wanted, I kind of was actually riffing off another conference that I really love. It's called WDS, World Domination Summit. And they were driven by three core values. So I, I was... I kind of stole that idea of having these three core values for us too. And our, our values are inspiration, connection, and participation. And just to focus on that last one a little bit, I think kind of what you're alluding to is participation, I think is one of the most interesting things. And, and of, I guess one of the most interesting things and enjoyable things of building this conference is how do we get attendees to participate? And I think the other podcast conferences do a great job, but I think when you get to that size, the participation from the actual attendees become less, right? We, 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 you know, and I don't want to say anything about it. I still love those conferences. I'm still going to participate and attend those other conferences. But I think the difference with this one is, and I'm, that's why we wanted to make it a core value is when you have smaller numbers like this, like I think we're only targeting about a hundred to 150, there just le leads a lot more room for attendees to participate. So it is one of our core values. And to do that, we have uh, these things called the attendee led circles. So, you know, they're kind of like small meetups within the, within the events. And I know these, the other events have that too, but it, you know, I think with, with a big event, those become, you know, a little bit more the sideshow or as, you know, having attendees, you know, actual podcasters teach each other, maybe like, you know, dare I say the long tail of podcasters, podcasters that are not as prevalent or, or, um, you know, big share their learnings. I think that could be invaluable. And I think, you know, one of the things having a small conference is it lends itself to for opportunities to let that happen a little bit more. So the, could you tell us a little bit about the Portland podcasting community? Is it as broad and wide as, as I might suspect it is? <laughs> Where do you fit in with your podcast? Tell us a little bit about the, the community you're a part of. 
Sure. I think with community building, it's always sort of learning about the community. I mean, like I said, I've only become an organizer in this local community probably eight, about, I'd say eight months ago, eight to 10 months ago. So I'm still learning about it. And it's funny what you said earlier that, you know, you know, there's a whole market for this. I would agree. I think there's a market for doing like a lot of these smaller conferences all over the country, but they are hard. <laughs> like I, I think I underestimated how hard it was to find the people in your city. And that did take a lot, lot more effort than I thought. Like, for example, we have a thousand people in our meetup group, right? But, you know, when I was doing the happy hours, honestly, I think the pandemic really just took its toll because you know, maybe 10 people would show up in every meeting of a thousand. That's like a very small percentage, right? Like 1%, less than 1%. So, I mean, it did take a lot, a lot more work than I thought um, to get to know who are the podcasters in, in the city. So do I know who they are yet? And are they all over the place? I think now with this conference, I'm finally learning more that, wow, there's a lot of amazing podcasters in the city. So I think they exist, but I think you know, time will tell whether I get to know them more, but I think that's one of the joys finally able to enjoy in producing this conference because we have, I basically feature every attendee that wants to be featured on our website. So I'm getting to know a lot of them sort of uh, on a, a little bit more personal level. And I'd say about like a quarter of the people decide to do a profile, but like now I'm really beginning to see, wow, there's some really interesting folks here, uh, very interesting podcasters. People have hundreds of episodes and yeah, excited to learn more about them really. Let me change the focus just a little bit to the metaverse and web 3.0. Hmm. And I want to do that for a couple of reasons. I have uh, studied this once again, more from my legal slash regulatory compliance hat. But the thing that has struck me about those concepts is it, it, it is largely to enhance the user experience. So an artist may create music, they may create artwork, they may create a visual story, and then they may create an NFT uh, to help publicize it, and they may give their listeners or their um bands, some token that allows them some, some merch or some discount to some event. But it struck me that that's just a great way to have not only an engaged audience, but really a committed audience. Now, some might call that a fan and I'm anybody who's seeing the background of my podcast knows I'm a big fan of a lot of different things, but it struck me at the, at its most basic, both of those two concepts are taking these overall concept of user experience and engagement to the next level. I was wondering if you've looked at that or thought about that or have any thoughts on that one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, a little bit, probably less so from a metaverse NFT perspective, but I do think about the creator economy a lot. And one of the reasons is because Pod Inbox, we, so we started with that simple feature of, hey, engage your fans by letting them leave a message. Quickly though, because we launched a podcast movement and that's where I did a lot of research, talked to a lot of podcasters, try to understand their pain point and trying to understand what they're trying to do to engage their fans. Of course, monetization kept on coming up, <laughs> right? So 
we dove into that uh, very hard. So, so not only can, you, can your fans leave a message on your pod inbox page now, they could also leave donations and buy things and stuff like that. So we're pretty deep into the monetization game and we're going to get deeper. So on that level, I have thought about it a lot. I think about podcasters who do this for a living, whether it's a side hobby, making a little bit of extra money or, you know, just enough to justify some of the time and the bills or people who are literally doing it as their primary income, you know, we kind of range the gamut of thinking about those types of users. So, you know, I, I know there's a long winded answer to your question, but like when it comes to metaverse and NFT, I think people are excited about, you know, NFT could mean many, many things to different people, right? But for some people, it just means, like you said, like membership and access to things. So you see like elite clubs, you know, offer an NFT to verify, I guess, membership into a club. And, and with that membership, like you alluded to, they get benefits and stuff like that. So we haven't thought about that from a NFT perspective, but we are thinking of membership quite a bit, right? You know, one, one of the, um, I guess if you, you know, I'll call them quote unquote competitors, if you will, right? They're huge, they're a billion dollar company, but we, we think about being an alternate solution uh, for Patreon, you know, from, from a podcaster's perspective, you know, we hear some complaints, right? I, I think it's a great platform for creators in general, but I think for podcasters specifically, they're looking to solve these, you know, very specific problems around membership. And I think, you know, when I think about membership, I think that's a great way to monetize the podcast. I think loyal fans want to be part of a club. They want you know, some benefits of membership, and maybe they just want to support the podcaster, right? They just want to support the show that they love. And, you know, all too often I hear podcasters, you know, the first thing they think of when they think of monetization is what? You know, sponsorship, right? It's like the first word that kind of comes out. And I've even been on monetization panels where, you know, you know, we talked, you know, 90% of the time about sponsorship. And then last 10 minutes, it's like, oh, what about, you know, fan you know fan donations <laughs> you know it's almost like a sideline but you know i have a different thesis on that i think you know for the long tail of podcasters that 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 could be great first way to monetize and even for you know when you when you study the the people who are doing it at a high level with millions of downloads they're, they're also doing fan engagement too fan donations tips and stuff like that so sorry long-winded answer but i think when I think of the NFT scenario you're thinking of, I do think maybe in the future, I think it's still too early. Once again, from the usability standpoint, I think a lot of people, you know, when NFTs were hot, like last year, or maybe the year before, they're like, how are you going to incorporate, you know, crypto and NFT or, or blockchain into your app? I'm like, right now I'm not, <laughs> right? It's just too far from away from the fan experience. The fan just wants to donate a couple bucks or like, you know, subscribe to a membership that's a couple bucks a month. You know, I don't think they have the wherewithal to, you know, create a wallet and, and all this uh, under the context that, I, you know, I, you know I'm, a, I'm a crypto guy myself, personally. <laughs> you know, I, I do, you know, partake in some of these stuff, uh, some of these things personally. But I think when, I come from, when it comes from the user's perspective, I think we're still some years off from it. Pat, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode. But before we leave, I wanted to ask you if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself, 
any of your commercial enterprises or really any of the topics we've touched on today, what would be the best place or places for them to go? Sure. I would say, yeah, if you're a podcaster, go check out Pod Inbox. I think it's a cool platform and we are working pretty fast on developing a ton of features. That's podinbox.com. And if you're in Portland or plan to be in Portland on April 29th, and if this episode airs before then, go check out podconf.com. Register. Well, Pat, this has been a great visit. I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me, and I greatly look forward to continuing this conversation. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate having me. This is Tom Fox again. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you will subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to great podcasts. If you have a podcast and would like to be on my podcast on podcasting, please give me a shout at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Obviously, I had a lot of fun and learned a lot from this podcast, and I hope you did as well. I look forward to visiting with you on my latest podcast entitled Fox on Podcasting. Thanks so much.